Hey everybody, it's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. You're welcome along to episode 38 of LOI Central in association with FugeDicting.ie. Uh, this is Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald, and today we're joined by Pulitzer Prize winning uh, potential journalist David Snade. Brendan Clark, top, top goalkeeper. And Dallas just remind me before we came on that our last our last pod was actually recorded last Monday. And Dan, has this been the craziest time between podcasts that has ever, ever happened? And not just on about yesterday. What is going on, Dan? What is going on? Well, I mean, I mean there's a lot of crazy things happened in the last couple of years, Johnny, between various podcasts being recorded. But I think in terms of football-wise... I think so, yeah. It probably is. I mean, we should probably also explain to start, like, why, why aren't we in studio, more to the point, as well, before we get on you to it. You want to start like, or me? Well, uh, you can start. Like, <laughs> w- 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 what's your story? Like, well, why aren't we in Oliver Marketing today? Well, actually, we're, we're, neither of us would have been there as it happened, but... Uh, come on, take the uh, floor. Uh, actually, I'll, you know what, I'll take the floor. I met you at the, the cup final, uh, after the cup final on Sunday, uh, and you'd enjoyed the day... But a couple of weeks mm. back, I know that you had maybe gone over on your ankle playing a bit of Astro. I knew you were struggling, to be fair. And um, I met you on Sunday after the game. You were in good spirits or you stank of spirits, one or the other. And like um, you you, uh, you all of a sudden ended up in a very different place. Tell us about your cup final story. Yeah, it was all that. And then I woke up on Monday morning with a double fracture in the ankle. So I had to go to Vincent's and now I'm in a cast and I'm not going to be able to move for two months. I can't believe you're starting with this. So all the stories you could start with, you're starting with me. Like I'm just, I'm just explaining why we're not in studio. Why, why are you fair. not in studio? Well, I've, I've, I mean, you can't really talk about people's personal health, but there's a, there's a COVID case. There's a COVID, <laughs> there's a COVID case in the house. So I have spent the last... 24 hours with all the madness going on also for the first time in my life actually being a single parent um i haven't i haven't a clue where anything is i don't know where anything is in the house um i think my daughter is already taking up smoke she's taking up smoking already i think uh, she's very stressed and um like honestly just just realize i don't know where anthony is it's absolutely carnage and chaos and then every time you sit down for 10 minutes like someone has left someone has gone somewhere something mm-hmm. mad has happened so uh i honestly I, I was speaking to someone a few minutes ago and i had to actually i had to remind i had to ask them had i spoken to them earlier this day or was it yesterday or yeah. was it two days ago i you, just had no idea these are more tweets that i've written today than managers who have moved to other clubs and that is like you're well, so paranoid well, about everything at the moment you've gone crazy what's what's happening you've you've been on the top of the story well no i just listen johnny i just think we've spoken before about your social media activity you're just a bit i there's a lot of people out there with frayed emotions at the moment yeah, and the last, they, the, <laughs> the last thing they the last thing they need is loi central wading in with banter posts you know about like <sighs> who's in charge where or there like just because you're sitting with your cast and your ankle a bit bored it's like do you not realize like people are very unhappy around a lot of things that have they happened Probably about a lot of things tonight though a lot of things have been reported, but there you go. It's a good segue. I like that. <laughs> what a cast we have tonight. Brendan Clark, uh, I did meet you recently, and you said you must be really struggling bottom of the barrel to have you in the podcast. But Damien Duff didn't think that. He's, he's, he's signed off for the new season. How are you keeping? Yeah, all good, Johnny, yeah. Um, it always seems to be when, when no one else answers your text that I, that I get a text <laughs> from mom. But um, no, listen, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, look, obviously, I've spoke to Damien and... You know, looking forward to 2022 now. Well, I'd say we'd more chance of getting Duffer on than some of the managers that are actually in the league at the moment. Um, but we did get David Snade, who only last Friday wrote what is arguably one of the most celebrated League of Ireland pieces ever. Um, and I'd completely forgotten about that today, Snade, because of everything that's happened since. No, well, well, I definitely didn't forget that you were drinking vodka and ginger ale on Sunday after the cup final, which is well, why, why I presume you have you to have... mention that, to be fair now. Well, I just presume, yeah. that, has... I, I, I presume that has something to do way you have a bro- broken ankle does it it's not unrelated to be fair <laughs> it's, 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 it, it is the first one I've never heard of that combination of a drink yeah. in my life I introduced I think, that uh, when I was in my early 20s Dan I, I think uh, Johnny's walk home was like uh, a reincarnation of Waterford's season in that there was like uh, he, he probably didn't start off in great spirits there was a temporary belief that everything was turning around uh, and then ended up the following morning, no one knowing what the hell has happened. Because like we will, we will, we will talk about like what happened in the last three or four days 
um, in a minute. But like, I had to remind you before we came on that like 10 days ago when we did the last podcast, Mark Bertram was still the manager of Waterford. Like, have we ever had a seven to 10 days like this? Like Tuesday morning, I was, um, I was up like making a cup of tea, put the kettle on and you see that Mark Bertram has already like, I think tweeted and been sat, you know, and all of this happening in a very, very short space of time. Um, and, you know, the playoff on Friday, which ended with, like, Richard Forrest, the Waterford chairman, standing up at the edge of the director's box um, and leaving as soon as possible after full time as this nightmare unraveled. And, like, for a club that had been, like, really active on social media, like, there's been nothing said since. Like, we're talking now, like, Wednesday at 10 o'clock, like Richard Forrest hasn't posted anything since having been very active. I haven't checked in the last day or two, but Warford's last post on Twitter was the full-time results from the UCD game. That is Full-time. Full-time UCD win 2-1. It's, it's honestly like, um, it's, it's, like, it's like the world ended. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like sort of Years looking ago. at... It's like, you know, the, the, yeah. Go on. I was going to say, no, I've just been, admit, what, what that talk just made me head there. I've been binging Seinfeld on Netflix for the last little while. And it just reminds me, this is, this is Waterford that, that doing the whole George Costanza where they quit a job but then just come back as if they've never quit. <laughs> so they, they just they just come back on now, and now we're still we're still Premier Division club. What's going on? What's going on? I just I, I just check it. Ninety plus five full time Blues two one and are down. UCD are promoted. That was nine forty one on Friday night, and it's like that's it. Like disappeared without a trace. Like there's going to be a it's going to be a Netflix documentary asking where they went. And I, like, I did see like you know the chairman is getting awful grief now. I don't think I would say around the whole Mark Bertram thing because I mean it ended up with him and the crowd and and it all just turned into a bit of a of a circus really. I'm not sure if anyone really came out of it um, mm. looking terrifically well. Waterford haven't read that they were invited to have a right of reply and didn't provide the right of reply. You know they 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 would have been approached for comment and they haven't. And unless there's some big reply coming, because Mark Bertram was in talk sport and, and, you know, was out there and his point of view is very well known. He was doing selfies with fans. And it does appear to be fair that a lot of people in football are very sympathetic with his plight. But in saying that, the other side are still entitled to have their say. Um, But their their silence, to be fair, um, doesn't reflect especially well on the situation. Um, But they are entitled to have their say but I mean you have this mad situation now where you have no club from Munster in the Premier Division Tala is the southernmost ground in the Premier Division in uh, 2022 uh, and that's not good no matter what and like again we can joke about it and like there was a sort of a tragic comic sort of slapstick nature to the whole thing um, but actually just for Waterford generally it was a disaster and I know it's a league where players come players go um, that's the nature of life. We're going to talk about that and things that have happened in the last couple you of know, days. As manager, you know but the, sorry, Johnny. Sorry, Johnny. But like, um, you know, Brian Murphy was genuinely in tears coming out mm. of the dressing room on Friday, and it's like, you, you know, not crocodile tears either. Like, you know, you can tell when someone is genuinely upset. Um, you know, someone has come home to probably play out his career in his hometown club, which is a great vision, but now realistically probably wants to keep playing going to have to move because the club effectively imploded and then um, I mean I don't know I don't know Clarkie like you you know dressing rooms you know football you have a prominent position in the you know in the, in the PFA Ireland you know you know you've been through scenarios and situations but from us from outside this Waterford one looks it's up there one of the more bonkers ones of recent years yeah it is um, like you think of of all the structures that Mark would have put in place and, and kind of formations and, and how people play and that and you know, you're building into the into the biggest game of their season and and for that to go three days before the game um you know it's it is it's crazy. I, I was down I was in Richmond for the game um and, and you could you could tell that you know it, it was just all over the place. I mean UCD were fully deserving of, of the win um I mean, I think bar, bar the goal, I don't think Lorcan Healy really had a save to make on the night for UCD. Um, but no, like I said, it's forcing to, to UCD. Um, and Miller, who was obviously through, through a tough week. Um, 
but no, it's what went on. It, it doesn't it doesn't shine it shine a good light on the league, you know. Especially when, especially when you hear Mark's side of the story go out, and that's the only side of the story that people hear. Mm. Um, I, I suppose it's the perception then is that, that that's that's the way it is. That's what happened, you know. And like you said, Warford haven't haven't spoke since, and 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 I suppose until, until they do, well then, you know, there's only one side of the story out there to uh, to assume that that's the way it was. It, it is a bit sad for UCD that they're not really getting much credit because it's seen as a, a Waterford implosion and obviously the context of Andy Myler's dad passing away and then pulling off this achievement. And it should be mentioned that like a lot of people are at the Waterford UCD game in the Cup say UCD should have won the game that night and UCD have some very good footballers that other clubs want. So like in, on one level, you'd be delighted. But what's mad, Snady, if you look at, you know, that iconic map of Korea at night from satellite images where you have like Southern Korea is completely lit up and North Korea is just like a couple of little dots. If you had a map of Ireland now where there's a club in the top flight of the whole Ireland, the south of Ireland is basically like North Korea. There's a little enclave uh, like on the northwest and a little part of Dublin and Drogheda. It's really, really stark on much of the country. And as well as that, when you look at the um, the viewing figures for the women's game against, like this game against, joke game really against Georgia, far more people watch that than watch the FAI Cup final on Sunday. That's where we're at at the moment. There are large parts of this country that just don't relate to the LOI. Um, I don't know if it's so much a case when they don't relate. It's just what's happened in the last little while. The clubs have fallen out. Like Cork went through a serious period with Dundalk, where that where it was Cork and Dundalk, two non-Dublin clubs, and like that's pretty much a rivalry that dominated most of a decade and captured, I would say, a lot of imagination. And even with Cork, I think their crowds have been relatively strong, even in the last little while with Colin Healy rebuilding there too. Well, obviously, what's happened the I think the nature of what makes it feel worse is just because I know you have to give credit to UCD, but it does feel as if it's just an absolute shambles of what's happened at a club that has led to this situation. But like, yeah, it's not going to be ideal next year. What half of the clubs are are from are from Dublin, but I don't necessarily think it's oh that means that no one else in the in the country cares about what's happening in the in the League of Ireland. The fact that it's even talked about means that there obviously are people who who care about it, and obviously you're going to have a situation where you would imagine that next year as well, that one of the biggest challenges is going to come from the North and Derry. Sligo, you would think, should be able to improve under Liam Buckley. So that, that you would think, would hopefully be two clubs who could actually put up a serious challenge. See what happens with Dundalk and Stevie O'Donnell as well. And then they'll see the, the Dublin clubs too. But so, yeah, don't get me wrong. Obviously, you would like, ideally, you would like to be able to go back to those days when Cork City were absolutely top of the tree and really putting it up to other clubs and the Turner's Cross, which is still, I'd say, my favourite ground to go to in terms of going to the way match. I think it's probably the best ground in the country in that regard, even though it might be in terms of not up to date with Talia, but just for the atmosphere and stuff. Mm. But they are where they are. They're rebuilding for a reason because obviously of what happened. So, um, yeah. Okay, we'll try to... I, did, I think... Um, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, though, I mean, you talk about the viewing figures. Um, maybe part of the viewing figures on Sunday was affected by the fact that everyone was at the game. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. such a great crowd. And to be fair, up against Chelsea, Manchester United. So that's a very, very, very significant point in the context of the viewing figures, to be fair. Yeah. It's just something that wasn't, wouldn't have been the case last night. But... Um, it smells like uh, officially. I'm trying to do this as chronologically best as I can, Dan, in terms of last nine days. Well, so uh, Waterford UCD, yeah. what was next? Waterford UCD, what was next? Well, uh, article, that, was, I suppose. That, that was Friday. Then we had, well, David Snade's walk through Dublin, yeah, with the lads, yeah. Didn't um, pay the Lewis Fair. Didn't pay the Lewis Fair. I mean, I mean, like, I, mean I, I thought it was an amazing article. I've praised them publicly, but I mean, it wasn't the only article written last week, to be fair, Giant that too. Was, you know, like, you, have, you have to be clear, you know. Yeah. And, and I've, I've told them several times it was a very good article, but I mean, I, you know, mm. in the journalism game, you only have a certain quota of kindness you can sort of, you know, you can I'm actually... Shower your praise on Sunday, Snady. Oh, no, yeah, you want me a point at everything, yeah? Yeah, no, yeah. you're already points. Well, Dan did this lovely. Dan did this lovely piece in on Stephen O'Donnell and Padge. Um, so, Dan, I don't know. I mean, okay, you can take it over. What happened after that, anyway? Yeah, I mean, I think that that like the, the timeline of this is is probably part of the the contention, you know, uh, with everything that's happened here. And um, yeah, we've had a massive domino effect that's been triggered by Stephen O'Donnell's desire to leave St. Pat's and go to Nodok. It's pretty obvious, you know, Tim Clancy, we're speaking now again, by the time this goes out, who knows, there might be some announcements and, 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 and sort of press releases and stuff, but 
you know, it is going to happen that Tim Clancy is the St. Pat's manager. It is going to happen that Kevin Doherty will become the manager of Drada. And the domino effect that triggered all that is, you know, is, is started from Stephen O'Donnell's desire to go to Dundalk. Now, um, I would have done a story in from Monday's newspaper about this. I, I saw it, someone suggest that it'd been like put. I put it up at half two in the morning. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't up that late. Um, it's just if you do anything on Monday morning's paper, it just naturally gets uploaded at, at two thirty a.m. So it wasn't actually like sitting up during the night to do it. And um, just that he was the number one target. Um, and I think you know people are sort of of the view that well you know everything was was tied up and and done before that. Now, my understanding of it would be that, that wasn't that wasn't the case. Um, but I don't think anyone's ever going to fully believe that. Um, how that was, um, how how I would reach that sort of that conclusion is that certainly I would be aware from the, the dark end they weren't sort of absolutely certain that this was going to be their new boss, you know, because there was other candidates in the mix who needed to be informed of where things stood. Um, and, and they weren't informed of where things stood um, until sort of the last 24 hours or so. So um, there wasn't 100% confidence like that this was going to happen. But obviously, you know, it would appear that, um, you know, Stephen O'Donnell had, had made up his mind and that is sort of slowly but surely um you know, filtered out there and clearly in the, you know, Dave, Dave, you know, can talk to us, Snady can talk to us in a minute because he, he would have been doing stories that would have been, um, I guess, very much reflected maybe some of the views from the St. Pat's end of things and he can probably take that along in a minute. But, or Clarkie's a you know, fan as well. Well, no, but I'm just, well, I, I don't think Clarkie filed a story on it unless he wants to come in and start yeah, telling us that he did. Don't, but don't put him on the spot. Fan. We want the Pat's don't, fan view on it. Don't, don't, don't put him on the spot there. But let's, I'm just, you, you asked me for a chronology and again, you've suddenly interrupted me halfway through. Um, so That's the, how podcasts the, work, Dan. No, it's actually just, how podcasts work. It's just this one, yeah. But, but the, 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 listen, the shit hit the fan, obviously, on Tuesday evening when Stephen O'Donnell informed St. Pat's of his intention to leave. Um, and certainly people in the Pat's hierarchy were not expecting it at all. They weren't expecting it at all. Um, and and no, sort of no matter what's been said subsequently, that doesn't appear to have been, um, you know, to be in the case. Um, and, you know, the, the, it is sort of, there's, it has created a situation where, um, there's a big dispute around um, the details of Stephen O'Donnell's arrangement with St. Pat's. Um, again, you know, to sort of get in there, because I would have got a, quite a few messages from people um, who would have you know, said, oh, well, what, what is it about this two-year contract? And he signed this contract in, and, and almost a suggestion that you knew about it all along. Like when I would have been reporting across this on whatever day it was, Tuesday, um, my interest, and Dave would know this, my primary interest is to find out, is he going? Is he going? Is this what's happening? Is the move happening? Um, and I was sort of aware that there, that there probably might be some issues to be resolved between the clubs, but I wasn't 100% clear on what that might be. But, but obviously, you know, if there was confidence from, you know, aside that this move would happen, there clearly wasn't a fear that this, whatever this issue was, would be an issue. You know, if someone has, if someone really believes that, you know, they're on this sort of locked into a long-term deal, then they know that this is like a massive complication and it's probably an obstacle to it. And there's a belief that this isn't going to be a problem. And as a result, you know, you would have gone ahead and said, you know, that this is, this is going to happen because parties believe it's fine. Now, Subsequently, obviously, Pats would argue, and it does appear that what this is going to come down to, um, that I think, you know, just to, 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 that that's the obstacle to this just all being ratified and being done, is, the, is going to come down to basically people's interpretation of a contractual situation. But I mean, maybe Dave can talk about sort of, because he was reporting around that. You, you, you put it very well there. And I suppose, let, let's hear from you now, Snady, because what, what strikes me is that Dan speaks about the Burton situation going sour so quickly at Watford. But this is incredible to see the pictures of love and happiness on Sunday of these individuals who now um, basically 
are, are so angry with the manager and I can't believe what's happened at St. Pat's. What's your take on it? Um, well, yeah, similar to what Dan was saying, what you were saying there, it's actually genuinely a case of a bit of shock. Um, like in the press conference after, when, when Stephen O'Donnell and Alan Matthews did a joint press conference in the Aviva, like obviously Dan would have been there, like, uh, like Bermo came in, Dara Bournes came in, and it was your, uh, it wasn't Ben's Lee Desmond. Lee, De- Lee, Lee Desmond. And like they were there to, actually waiting to speak before O'Donnell had finished and stuff. And obviously, I think one of the last questions that was put to O'Donnell was about his future. And he kind of, he was not as effusive as you might have thought someone who had just won the cup would be about what was going to be happening next year. And then that kind of obviously kind of made you sit up and think a little bit about what was happening. And then when the three lads were speaking, well, the two lads really, because Dara Bourne's only really answered a couple of questions. They just spoke so passionately about what what Stephen O'Donnell had done for the club and for them as individuals. Chris Forrester had mentioned it as well, just how put down so much down his resurgence down to the belief that O'Donnell had, had instilled in him and just the kind of the standards that he would have been he would have been setting around the place. And it was literally even like at that point after that press conference, obviously the Pats hierarchy basically was put to me were like, fuck, we have a problem here. But they didn't know to what extent what was happening. And then the kind of the celebrations were happening obviously in, in the Red Cow and bits of McDell's or whatever on the Sunday night. Sparky would know well. And uh, what you call it, they continued a little bit on Monday when some of the staff would have got together. And even on Monday, some of the staff still were under the impression that he was staying. That like it wasn't there was no sense. I know Padge Craig had gone back to Scotland. That's because basically Padge's wife lives over there and uh. like he's like they're building a house and stuff there, but like he he's barely being back obviously with COVID and all the rest of it and he just needed to go back and sit to his wife but it, there was issues beginning to fester then and then he was it was put to me on Tuesday morning I was doing off the ball on Tuesday morning and O'Donnell was actually supposed to be on the show when he was going to be coming on and I was being told then that oh, like it's going to be good news for Pats fans talking about it, like the fact that like it's going to be tied up pretty much 100% about this contract that he'd agreed to uh, in the September because apparently as it's been put to me, it was back in May is when the clubs first tried to discuss about a new contract. In Obviously, he would have signed his original contract for two years, for two seasons in 2019. And then Pat's exercised an option that they said was as part of that contract that he would have another two years. Obviously, put that to his representative and that had been accepted there saying in writing. But that, but they've accepted now. Like they know, like that, that he's gone. Essentially, Pat's not, are realizing now that he's not going to be the manager. That he is going to be going to the dock. But then it was only on Tuesday afternoon when Kelleher, Gary Kelleher, and uh, Stephen Donald actually had a face-to-face meeting. I think it lasted not even a half an hour. That it was put to him that O'Donnell said, "Listen, it's I'm going to the dock." That's where he felt his heart was, where his gut was. That that, that was his instinct. He was talking about like. Um, some people are even put to me like mate star he's gone to the dark for money but I don't even think it is a case that the dark are offering him loads of money or whatever I don't think it's that at all like, I genuinely do think maybe he's just had a bit more of a draw to what is going to be happening at Dundalk and then I think when, I don't think it was too much longer after they had that meeting Gary Kelleher and Stevie O'Donnell that Dundalk then obviously announced that um, Finney Parrott was leaving like it it, it, it's a mess. It's a mess on both sides in the sense that, like, if Pat's really did think that he was boxed off and and and, stay, and staying, then players should have been getting sorted out as well with contracts. But then there's an issue over, well, there were was the was the cup final always being used to not not get fellas tied down, but just buying a bit of time themselves in terms of seeing what was going to be playing out. But that's he said, she said stuff really that neither like both sides of the both both sides will have ideas of how that played out. I just think it's a very, overall, I just think it's a very, very sad way of, of how it's ended. As tends to a lot, 99% of the time I say in football, I don't think it quite ends as messy as this, but it never really ends for a player leaving a club or a manager leaving or something. There's always regrets. There's always that feeling of it. It's never going to be perfect of how it's left. But I just think with the fact of how the cup, ever winning the cup at the weekend and then with a couple of 40 hours later, the man, the fella is gone and, Mm. players the words aware like it's just it has it's left to see it's like, like it's a couple of things it's like it was almost like it's sad to say it, but like scenes of almost like devastation among some of the people that pats around the club when they realised what was happening like people were seriously upset I think I think Gary Kelleher has been quite so angry 
a situation of how something's unfolded as is at the moment. Um, so, oh, I don't know. I, I, I kind of, it's a tough one. Like, I, you, you kind of think, well, if a fella wants to do what he wants to do and he, if he doesn't feel that he's under contract, if, if he says that there's actual wiggle room there, well, then I think the club have to kind of eat it a little bit and they have to say, well, do you know what? They maybe could have been on top of it a bit quicker and a bit sooner if that's if that was going on. But I don't know. It's It's... It, it is a tough one to take. But we'll be interested. I don't know, if, again, trying to put people on the spot. Like, I wonder with Clarkie even going back to a slightly different situation. But, like, the 2012 Cup final when, like, Trevor Crotty, like, where players would have been aware of what was happening then, the fact that Trevor was leaving and going to, well, he was going to Rovers then, like, it's sort of a similar situation then. A bit different in terms of it's, it's like the main man going, I suppose. But I wonder, just from a player's point of view, of how they'll be kind of reacting to this. Because some players... Now are, are quite angry about it. Other players are kind of like, we, whatever, and we'll get sort, still get sorted out kind of thing, or whatever, either way. But I wonder now of of how players in the dressing room will be kind of reacting, you know? Yeah, well, just in, in terms of Trevor, Trevor never rang me, so I was I never knew what was going on, you know. <laughs> um, look, obviously, it, it transpired that, that Trevor ended up taking the, the Rovers job and, and and took a couple of lads with him. And you hear stories of of what might have gone on before the, the in the lead up to the cup final and that, but look, you, you never know the full story there. Um, again, like in, in terms of like it's it's not ideal. You, you you win a cup and I don't I don't want to come across because look I, I've got the way I left the club and and stuff. It, it, I don't want it to come across like I'm throwing O'Donnell under the bus here and like I. I there's, look, there's no intention there at all. But it, it's you think you look back at, at Rovers when when they won the cup, and then they went on. They, they built on that to go on and win the league. I'm sure a lot of the players would have been thinking that. Look, okay, we we've proved we can win something here. Let, let's go to the next step, and and you know we're all part of what what's being built and stuff. So. I mean, for, for that to be kind of pulled from under our feet less than less than two days, probably after the the, the best day, I suppose, in, in some of their careers, you know, it's yeah, I'm sure it leaves a sour taste in, in, in some of their mouths. Pat's gave a chance as well. Sorry, Dan. Pat's gave CB a chance who was completely unproven as a manager. Um, and so they did give him that chance. Where did where did it go from that to this, Clarky? I don't know, Johnny. Um it's, I don't think it's a question for me to answer. I don't. I don't think it's a question for anyone here to to answer or to to. I think it's only going to be going to be Stevie that knows what happened, you know, and and, and what went on. And I mean, until I the, dust, the dust settles a bit. Uh, I, can I just figure, like? I just like yeah. I mean, just to come in, I suppose. I like right. There's, there's a, I mean, there is a devil, devil's advocate point to make here because I know a lot of. Pat's anger is about say, you know, players, the players' scenarios. If if Stephen O'Donnell had said to players, "Listen, there might be something," you know, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure about my future here. You know, could that have been a 2012 style distraction that becomes a lot of noise in such a way that you know, all of a sudden it it impacts the cup final and Pat's don't have a cup final on the agenda now like I will and, and really no one really cares about the sort of media aspect of this but we have had some reader comments to us that I don't really want to ignore either because then it just looks like you're actually dodging them um, but like you know a couple of those people onto us saying well you know you and to me basically saying like you would have done stories before the cup final about say those people who were leaving including or you know likely to be leading, leaving including Keith Buckley and why wasn't something done around say the Pat scenario and like, I, I think, you know, it's easy to perceive something as being part of some kind of a, a sort of a campaign or plan. But like, we all know, I think, to some degree what the League of Ireland is like. And if you actually, you know, you know, sat down and actually wrote a story and every little rumor and every little chat you heard about what might be happening and where someone might be going and what the situation might be. I mean, you could be doing stuff every day. Like, you know, there's, there's a million stories you could have heard in the last couple of weeks and not all of them are true. And like, by my nature, sometimes with this stuff, I'd be a bit, I can be almost a bit conservative sometimes as well too and want to be sure, 
you know, absolutely sure that something is happening. And to be fair, with some of the Bow stuff that was done, like I'm sure that that's happening. You know, there's more speculation around people at Bose that I didn't write that I'm aware of that, you know, was going around. And I didn't because I'm not 100% sure of that being the case. And like, you know, Georgie Kelly, the top scorer in the league, been out of contract and loads of managers coming to watch him is not, that's not destabilizing. That's something that happens before the cup final every year. Um, and if any top scorer was out of contract, that would be the same with Richie Terrell or many other players, right? And the other stuff of Bowes is just, unfortunately it's happening and Bowes have left themselves in a situation. Now, what I would say is that I didn't realise until after the game on Sunday uh, how many Pats players were a contract. And even that press conference that you refer to, um, Dave, yeah. like it was it was actually Lee Desmond sort of saying what's the story with contracts. Now, I know people are now sort of trying to suggest that that's up to the manager, but I would say that, like, you know, if you're in a situation even where it's only been done in the last couple of weeks, that's more a reflection of club policy. They weren't handing out two-year deals at the start of the season. Like Lee Desmond pointed out that Jamie Lennon was the only player on a long-term one. Like if you are going year to year, in a lot of cases, you do leave yourself vulnerable, you know, to a situation where they were challenging this year with a Shamrock Rovers team that had players on three, four-year contracts. So yeah. I, I think like that is a point that, that needs to be made. Um, in response to it but like you know I think there was and sorry to answer the broader point of like I would have been up at the Dundalk Derry game last Friday week and I was trying to suss out what the story was with the takeover what's happening and I would have put out some stuff in the aftermath saying that I had the sense that the dog were going to be pretty competitive next year. And I think it would have been known out there and people know and people with a knowledge of the dog would know that the owners who've taken over are serious. Like, you know, there's some serious people involved. Stat sports in the coming years are going to be pretty serious. And I think that was a pretty attractive job. And, you know, I think there was multiple current League of Ireland managers who would have been interested in that mm. position. Um, you know, multiple, yeah, and like, um, you know, and and I'm not saying that all of them would have, you know, been in the frame, but I think there's ways and means of of letting things be known. So that would have been an attractive job to a lot to a lot of people. So um, I, I think you know that's something to bear in mind in terms of people, you know, mystifying as to why he might be going. Um, I think it would be known within football, and certainly would have been discussed, you know, in the circles I would be in that like um, this dog job is going to be a good job and it's going to be interesting to people, and that's going to be the case. So like I'm, I have to say I'm not surprised that you know, Stevie O'Donnell has, has, has gone that way. And if you'd said to me, you know, I, I would have written a story on Sunday night for Monday morning and I would have talked to, like I would have talked to Dave later on. Like I, I had a feeling at that stage, I thought that it would happen. But you need to, you know, to say, to, you need to be very certain to say that something's happening, to say it's a done deal. And I wouldn't have had that certainty at all, at all. Well, you imagine and, he has to be a know, small bit torn. Yeah, of course. And I, I still think there was people at the Dundalk end of things who were very worried that this, you know, that that you know they they they'd sort of that they they'd sort of hear that this isn't this isn't a runner, you know, that this isn't a runner at all. Um, but um, that 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 scenario didn't didn't come to pass. And as I said, not to go back to the Nobel debate, like. They, you know, there was obviously people always find out stuff and information. We can people can talk around about um, the sort of official approaches and all of these things. And of course, there is always a, a process that needs to go through. But, but we all know in every we all know in every area of football um, what happens. And anyone involved in football who says otherwise is like. Is, is 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 sort of in dreamland, you know, if they don't think that that there's discussions that would take place all the time. And you wouldn't know the half of them, like particularly in this league. So yeah, and, but actually at a global level too. So like, you know, you see you see um you see managers in, in the Premier League, you know, getting you know, Daniel Fark is gone and, and someone comes in later that day. Like and you, you try and say that there wasn't sort of sending yeah. out and stuff happening. I mean, come on. You know, just, so like there would be an awareness that this was a good job. But I honestly he didn't um, if, 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 if I thought last week that, that if I thought last week that this was something that was definitely happening after the cup final 
Um, of course, you know, you would go there, but I I didn't have an inkling and I got sent to everything was cup final focused. Yeah, and, and maybe it was. But if I just bring in Clarkey on this, um, someone from a rival club um, said to me that, today that basically Pats had screwed up on this um, in terms of contracts and so forth. They could completely see why Stevie was doing this. What's your take on that as a player in terms of contractual situation and obviously the difficulties around that in the League of Ireland? Well, in terms of player contracts? Yeah, so the, a mean, lot of the Pats players are out of contract. Yeah, well, across the board in, in the whole league, Johnny, it's the same. I mean, you've got nearly 75% of players in the league are our contract at the end of the 2021 season, mm. you know, and that's 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 a lot of players, you know. Jesus, there's what there's mm. 300 odd players in, in in the in the league, so you know it's what 225 is it? 225 an NBO contract, if, if my maths is correct, is. Um, so I mean, I think as a league going forward, I think there's a bigger debate around the whole professionalism of the league there and, and in terms of of introducing longer term 52 week contracts and again you're going down another rabbit hole in terms of funding and how you know clubs will ask how do we get this but I mean until until we have that conversation and, and until we, we we fix them problems then, then we're, we're going to have the same issue at the end of every season you'll now have Pat's players who will be in the boat of wonder will Stephen O'Donnell want to bring to Dundalk wonder will Tim Clancy fancy them wonder will Tim Clancy bring in someone from Drogheda or elsewhere to replace them or wonder will they be kept on at all and it's it's just mad how, mad, how much is happening here yeah look I, I can relate to them I am obviously in, in our own in at Shelbourne we had the same at the end of the last season at the end of the season we um, obviously Ian Morris had um, had departed and, and, and Damien had been announced as manager and a lot a lot of a lot of the squad were, were out of contract and you know it's it you're, you're playing a waiting game then and you're kind of hoping for the phone to ring and 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 getting good news and that's all you can do, really. And the crazy thing is, Nady, we're here about forty minutes now, and we haven't discussed the cup final at all. And does this diminish the, you know, the the warmth of that that feeling that the past fans and players had? Because um, all of those images are, to me, a little bit tainted now because this was the start of a breakup as well. Yeah, like I know for some of the people around the club, it has completely, totally. For some of my friends who'll be Pats fans, it hasn't really because they had an, an amazing day on Sunday and had great celebrations and it's a moment that they won't forget and stuff. And my uh, actually well, my little <laughs> my little nephew my little nephew went to his first game, he's only five. He's kind of being tempted to start going down to watch Rovers because a few of his mates go down to watch Rovers now because they're in there playing in their little academy and stuff. But my dad made sure to bring him to uh, try to pats pats at him. He was. I went over to Imaz earlier on today, and he was he was going around the house saying "fuck balls," which I thought was absolutely. But <laughs> I thought it was brilliant, just from the point of view, just from the point of view of that. Like I'm not even messing. Like he's he's been over to Old Trafford as well, and he's actually had a lot more of a buzz since coming back from that game than he did at Old Trafford. When we went over like in terms of like actually loving going to the match with, with me down and stuff, but then like. The fact that he was going to a game in Dublin, he didn't realise that the, even though he even he'd been to an Ireland game, but he just said it was it was totally different. He's only like maybe six six later on this month. He and like so in terms of that, like I'll always have fond memories of that because like, as, as far as I'm concerned, it's the start of the indoctrination from him to actually going to League of Ireland and realising that there's loyal football that you can go and watch every week. But um, yeah, like I, I think from now, like it, it I, I think it's gonna be massive, like. I know, I know. Obviously, like Tim Clancy will be quite highly, highly rated. I think he's if he's able to keep a core of the squad together, which I know, I know obviously the club have already kind of started to do that um, earlier on on Wednesday, and it's going to be happening later on on Thursday. That a lot of players who they were under the impression were kind of pretty much set to set to come when obviously when Stephen O'Donnell was going to be manager that they do stay so that's going to be stuff that's going to the club are, you know, are, are working on over the next couple of days to actually get them boxed off because there is definitely the makings of something the only issue is that it, does, it did feel as if it was Stephen O'Donnell was the one driving that and yeah. it's whether or not the next, the next person who comes in can continue on though not even continue on but maintain the standard that has been set because I do think that the change in attitude around the club and the sense of focus around the club has been 
Well, so I do think there's been a lot different. And now, if it is, it's more than likely will. That definitely will be Tim Clancy. That's the challenge for him now, is to actually show that he is capable of keeping Pats at that level, but also getting closer to Rovers, dealing with what's going to be happening with Derry City, and obviously as well, Dundalk too. Well, it'll be very hard to come up with who your manager of the year is. And you can make a case for four or five managers, but... Mine would be Tim Clancy for what he did with that draw of the team. But, Dan, you were slagging me about being at that Call He's Call uh, live kind of podcasting last week. I had a pint with Kev Doherty beforehand, and I was having the crack that, like, basically you and Tim Clancy are going to be like Cluffy and Taylor. You're going to be together forever. And you have to remind me, like, he was manager of Shells, and I'd actually forgotten that he was a manager himself. He's now going to become manager uh, of Drogheda. Tim and him have gone their separate ways. Tim is a seriously ambitious manager taking over Pats. So the, the amount of layers to the, this story just really is bonkers even by League of Ireland standards. Yeah, there's probably more to come, you know. Um, you know, the, sort of. Um, we'll see what happens, and sort of, you know, Tim will have to bring in a number two, you know. And again, like it's one of those. If you, uh, not going to be me, no. Um, like again, it's one of these where you know you don't you don't you don't just write every rumor you hear. You know, you have to wait to be sure that something's going to happen. But that could be something that happens over the next. Next couple of days, we'll see. It could be an interesting one. Um, and there's a lot you're of really, like you're really filling us here with like what's going to happen. <laughs> Sorry, but uh, like, see, I don't know what's going to happen, Johnny. And I'm just too I'm too conservative. I don't like to to put, you know to, to put out something and then look like an arse afterwards. The you know, revelation th- on this podcast that Clarky was in McDowell's. But St- Steve wants to say something there about that. He understands. Clarky wasn't even at the cup final. <laughs> no, 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 I meant in, I, I meant from celebrations past, Clark. Oh, past. No, about oh, 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 never, <laughs> that no, actually, the thought only occurred to me there. I wonder, remember when you were saying, uh, Brendan, about waiting for a call when the new manager, when a new manager will come in. Like, what did Duff say to you? Like, what when he calls you? Like, is it just very straight to the point, or does he does he tell you how much he loves you and how much he wants you? <laughs> what does what does no, Duff do? No, it was a it was a, it was a short enough phone call. Um, it was that he, he would like me to be at the club next season, um, what he expected of me. And um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And, and, and what he wants to do with the place and wants me to be to be on board with it. And, and look, that was it. It was short and sweet. Um, and then you, you go and you, you deal with your contract with the, uh, with the club. That, that's pretty much it. But it was more of a... It was more of a relief that you know the the phone call came um, because look last year I I I left I joined Shells to to go cut to to go and enjoy me football to go and to go and win the fourth division and you know obviously to to be successful there and you know from from playing with the club from from getting to know the people around the place and and you know it, that built. The, the weight up a bit more that I, I, I wanted to be there next year so once once Ian goes and you know Damien's announced you're kind of like oh you're, you're just waiting on that call you know and then it, when he does call it, it's still a willy won't he kind of thing but no look I'm, I'm probably one of, I'm one of the lucky ones that that he that he wanted to keep around and, and you know it's uh, I'm just you have to be and end up you have to be totally buzzing as well because like this this must be the, the most hotly anticipated League of Ireland ever in many respects. Jack Byrne's coming back. The Derry situation. Stevie's taking over Dundalk. Um, Pats have just won the Cup. Sligo finished third. Rovers are becoming very, very strong. And Damien Duff's over shell. So like, this is going to be one hell of a season. I know you're already back in the gym as well. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we started back. I mean, the, the first division players, would, we would have finished up um, a month ago. So, you know, look, that's long enough off for us. And, it was more a case of we're going to be doing our own kind of gym programs ourselves. So why not why not get together and and do it in a structured way? You know, it's not the start of pre-season. It's just it's just a way of keeping on top of it. But you know, looking at twenty twenty two, I think there's a whole feel good. You know, there's a there's a great feeling around Irish football at the moment as a whole. You know, from the national team through the league in terms of you know potential stories next year and and. and you know, any like you said, anything can happen, and even into the women's side of things as well. You know, it's it's massive. So I think now is the time to really kick on and push the league and and, re- and really embrace this kind of crest of a wave that we're on in terms of of publicity and, and goodwill towards the league and, and, and Irish football as a whole. 
Yeah, and Snaily, the, the 39,000 at the cup final. It wasn't a classic, but extra time had so much going on. An amazing goal by Forrester. Penalty shootout. 300-odd uh, thousand watching on the penalty shootout. And I brought four non-League of Ireland fans to the game. They couldn't get over the atmosphere. Well, no, yeah, no, the atmosphere, the atmosphere was actually fantastic. It was brilliant for the whole, for the whole game. No, obviously, there was the issues what happened with the, the round at the Irish Townhouse and, and what happened there, which was obviously appalling and stuff. But it was, I think, why even why that the violence and stuff, and why that even struck more of a car, not struck more of a car, but why it kind of you know hit home even more was because like it felt so out of kilter with what was happening around the ground and what was happening everywhere else around the ground, like, like going to the stadium. None of that, it was just a really good atmosphere around the place. There was a sense of actually, like, there was fans obviously mingling in and around each other didn't see any trouble other than say some fans getting into the press box and half a point of Guinness getting spilt over me during the first half <laughs> and, yeah, and even even then your even then your woman was very polite to me she actually apologised so, like, I uh, thought it was Johnny actually to be honest the way he was later on but, I was behind uh, right here yeah. 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 Um, but yeah no there is it's like what, what what Brendan was saying and I think everyone was saying like, there is, it's weird like there is that sense of maybe or maybe it's just because it's around the cup final and you get an extra bit of a buzz, but a sense of anticipation and a good feeling around the place. But but then I suppose then the probably fans of Pats and stuff now looking at this saying, typical shambles now, what's going on? Like, you know what I mean? Why can't he be doing other things right to kind of maintain momentum and build a momentum? You know what I mean? So The other thing is, like, Dan, where are Bowes fans after all of this? Yeah, well, this is the thing. I mean, Bowes are pretty, like, deflated. Um Naturally enough, you know, um, although, I mean, uh, to be fair, they were at pains to point out beforehand that it wouldn't shape their budget, what happened. And it's good, like, that the Bows have got to a position where they're not in that boom-bust cycle where, like, TNS or Salzburg or something, like a game going badly spells disaster. Um, and you, you obviously want to get to that place, but still it doesn't take away from the fact that a very exciting season has ended with them finishing fifth and they don't have Europe next year. Um so, yeah, I don't know. Like, we didn't really talk about the details of the game. As I said, like, it didn't, wasn't, it wasn't terrific, to be honest. You know, it, it opened up a bit an extra time, and I thought that was very enjoyable. Um, and I sort of wanted more. There was an unbelievable amount of stoppages just in the game, even just injuries and issues and stuff like that. That the second half, it just felt like it was a stop start. And even the first half had a long, you know, Robbie Benson was bandaged up, who was brilliant, by the way. Um, mm. And, and like there was one minute stoppage time and stuff. And it, just, it, just, it was like one of these rugby games where the ball was only in play for X amount of minutes or something, you know? Um, so, um, but I, I think, yeah, no, Bows are certainly in a, in a situation where they're, they're probably pretty aggrieved. And as I said, like, you know, a lot of the things that were happening, Bows, it was aware that these were things were coming down the tracks, you know, that again, Keith Long was facing into this rebuilding mission. And it's obviously quite deflating I would assume to have to face in to doing that again and particularly again we're speaking about next year there I think it's going to be a terrific season and again you're talking about um, you know you're talking about Rovers and Derry and Dundalk and I'd say even Pats I'd say you'll have a fired up Garrett Kelleher now which might even be a help in terms of budgetary planning you know for the next manager coming in um, and you have a, so we've talked about four clubs there and we haven't talked about Bows who at times this year you know, might have felt, you know, they, they could challenge almost. But what, I mean, the, the key point is, I think this is the key point, people want to know what happens now. Like there's a, there, there is still now probably a small enough pool of players in the league, like the real sort of, the high-end ones that aren't tied down anywhere, who are probably in a great position if we're honest, because um, there's all of a sudden like probably good options there for them. Bowes like are, have offered good money from what I hear to potential uh, signings now they, they've made some mistakes you know Jack Moylan went to shells sort of um, that that people would be un- irate that that's happened um, but I mean they're competitive when they're out there in the market trying to speak to like really good players you know they, they even had a pop at trying to sign Jack Burns so like clearly there's there's funds there that will be offered but again a lot of these players will have alternative options and you know the merry-go-round is a funny thing you know probably by losing for example I've written about this you know probably by losing O'Donnell um, the Pats probably might even have a better chance now of getting uh, two of the drawer players you know James Brown and Mark Doyle who actually do have options in the UK who probably would have followed Clancy I think wherever he went and he was sort of 
plan B for them dog might end up with Pats on account of this but you will lose some other players and like football is like a food chain sometimes like you know draw are getting eaten up to some degree shells are trying to sign a stack of the draw the players and and that's going to be a battle that Kev Doherty will have to face now um, you know that, that Tim, the Tim Clancy is left and I mean Connor Kane Darren Markey um you know, maybe even Dan O'Reilly, a few others. Um, you know, the Dundalk players, are they now more inclined to probably wait and see what happens? It's I think it's pretty obvious that they haven't, you know, a couple of them haven't uh, nailed down their you know, their positions. Um, but I mean there's I mean there's a couple of good options. Like Dan Cleary um has an option in St. Johnston, but I think Shamrock Rovers is a real live option for him there too. So there's a lot going on and I think bows are going to be competitive but I suppose the one question the bows do face is like you have shells coming back on the scene who are offering morning training in Dublin and you've got Pats again in that position and you've got Dundalk again who are going to be proper full time out for Shamrock Rovers it's obvious that they are and this whole situation that bows have um, you know, and, it's, and there's a great sort of charm and romance to it. And as well, they were able to compete and get some good players with it. But if a couple of the part-time players are maybe moving on to travel um, and you want to sign players on loan from the UK, say, it can be harder to do that with your evening training set up. And now you have another club like Shells in the mix who are offering morning training and um, probably have good connections. I'd be very, very surprised if Shells didn't make some interest in loan signings in the new year. I think maybe that's part of the post-mortem for Bose here. It's like, how realistic is it to compete without looking at your setup and asking, can you do, can you do a bit more? And I know I don't necessarily want to do that. And I know that they will, they don't want to get into some arms race in terms of spending stuff. But I think that's part of the, um, that's part of the equation yeah. that, that Bose maybe might have to look at in the aftermath. You know, that you, you're going to lose players um, because they just they prefer to do things differently in terms of their lifestyle. We we did speak, Clarky, many times about how long like the off season is in the League of Ireland. It has shortened, but this will probably be one of the shortest ever because there's so much going to happen. You can imagine now if the the fixture list uh, shows up St. Pat's against Dundalk or even Dundalk against Derry in the first game next season. Wherever Shells goes, going to be massive interest, and like already you're you're just buzzing for it. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying earlier about there's so many different stories that you know each week that people can latch onto, and I'm sure. You could, kind of build on and, and you know geez, it, it's it's just one of them leagues that I think I think every single game is is going to have some kind of backstory to it but um, look it, 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 it's going to be it's, like you said it, it is a short it's going to be a short off season in terms of with the with the World Cup now in, in November so I think everything's everything's moved forward a bit so I think everyone will be eagerly waiting the um, the the fixture list release. Yeah, and and Sinead, I was saying there last week that like um, if you look at the clubs this season the way they were, there would be big expectation on clubs next season. Like Sligo finished third, Bowes would be expected to do better next season. Pats were going to finish second. Derry have Rory Higgins in charge. Shamrock Rovers are expected to more or less win the league anyway. So like some manager has to kind of be let down, or some manager has to have a disappointing season. And like Dan slags me about these young managers in the league. Now Kev Doherty's joined the fray as well. Like there's so much competition there. And even you see, which was really interesting, Shamrock Rovers and St. Pats their last two games, they basically played with no real recognised striker. They played with like you know, Graham Burke is up front for Rovers with like Pats and a bit of Robbie Benson, Chris Farter. So there's a lot going on in the coaching element of the league as well and somebody's going to be disappointed next season. Yeah, well, there's only a couple of trophies they can really win, isn't it? So more than likely, the majority of them are going to be disappointed depending on what their actual targets are. Like, so like, if you're going through it, like, what are, what will be the targets for Bowles next season? Like, will, will, will Keith Long be expected to be able to qualify for Europe again? I kind of get the feeling with Bowles and with Keith Long, like it's, it's almost like as if the same thing is constantly being asked of him, which mm. is to be able to which is to be able to rebuild the team, find pluck players maybe who are coming back from the UK, get a couple coming through, try and try and find like getting how what he did with Georgie Kelly this year has been incredible in terms of how he's been able to inspire inspire him and get get even so much more out of him. But you kind of expect him, well, what more can he do? What can he keep on doing that same thing? Like like 
that it's going to be very difficult because it must be kind of demoralising for him as well to kind of realise that pretty much after one after a season and building and stuff that back to square one and having to rebuild you know um, so it depends what what different clubs ambitions are obviously like Rovers ambitions are, are, are there to, to go and win the league I would have thought Pats if they had a catch Stephen O'Donnell their ambition would have been, I would have, I would imagine, it is to go and properly put an even more serious challenge up to uh, up to, up to Rovers. Like Sligo, yeah, he finished toward the were, I know they were top of the table. What was it after the first run, uh, first batch of fixtures, but they kind of faded. They had they faded badly. Like they went through a serious patch, and yet they were still in the top four. And like, they're in Europe, those bows aren't like. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. And and, and obviously with Derry City, yeah, like Rudy, Rudy Higgins, even though he hasn't got the, the pedigree in terms of actually doing it as a coach, in terms of actually having a challenge for the title, you would imagine with some of the signings that they've already made and would probably, he could possibly make before the season starts, that's what their ambition would be. Or will it be to just build slowly and get into Europe and try and do well in a cup or something like that? So, like, it's... It, <laughs> It is a, it's a, it's a strange one, but like the only oh, I know it sounds might this might sound totally ridiculous, but like the only team there who by rights you would say should actually be feeling yeah we really should be winning the league are Shamrock Rovers at the moment. No other club really I don't think has actually been good enough to say to say yeah like no this is our time. And what Pat's would say would have might have felt like they were, but because of everything that's happened, they're kind of like it's going to be a bit of a let's see what happens to the start of the season can. Can um, Tim Clancy maintain that? As we're saying, that maintain that momentum. But you look mm. around at the rest of them, and like, who who would you say? Like, I don't know. Like, even like, tell me if I'm talking shy here. But like, who would you say can actually say, you know what? Yeah, we have everything in place to go and properly challenge for the league at the moment. Oh, I only see that's the mm. only they're the only ones I would I would say. I don't see anyone else winning the league apart from Rovers. Really, don't. Damn. Mm. Well, no, I mean that could end up just being the obvious uh, scenario, but. And there'll be a lot more scraps underneath it, and a lot of Dublin derbies as well. But we will, um, we will be back. Actually, we will have one more show. We will have an end of year review. We're just going to wait till we're out of isolation or uh, whatever. What, what what do we call your situation, Johnny? Just sort of self-imposed, self-imposed isolation, castaway. Yeah, it's like something like that. So we will, we will actually be back for maybe more of a review. I think we, it feels like there's so, so much excitement during the 2022 season that every sort of sentence is the same because you start listing all these possibilities. And as you said, it could just all come back to like Rovers winning the league by eight points. Like they do have Jack Byrne coming back, you know, and he might just help them winning all of those games that maybe they've struggled with this year. The 93rd minute game, goals against maybe some of the lesser sides they might I think they're the ones that he'll, he'll completely dominate and they wouldn't have those issues but that's next week well, of course the one I mean do you know at another time in our lives you know the main drama in the last week might have been the PFAI team of the years like being 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 put out yeah. there in the next that might have put like that might have got got us through it you know so like I mean the, the first division team I mean I don't know who was voting for that but of course <laughs> it was it was the players I see I love this I love this because like <laughs> honestly you know as as media as media you spend most of your time uh, being accused of knowing nothing and I mean often it's fair um but like this is the one where it's like sorry lads like you know you can't give me that you've never played the game stuff here these are the people who've played all the games you know we're voting here um, and obviously there's some excellent players in the first division team um, including Brendan but it's the, I suppose it's the premier one that seems to have generated more uh, anger and discussion and um, yeah the like Brendan the people are going to listen to this is, is it all a popularity contest really this because like why is Danny Mandrew not, not in there um, do people just vote for their mates? Vote for people they don't vote against people they don't like. Now you're a PAPF man, so you're not gonna you're not gonna say that. But what sort of games goes on with this stuff? Are you very happy that this represents the, the top eleven? I think first of all, like you said, it, it is voted by the by the players. Like, and you know, it's it is a tough one, like because I think. The the whole LOI TV thing has opened up um, the ability to so many more games for players to watch, you know, whereas in the past it would have been just kind of who you've just played against 
you know, mm. that's the only thing. Or you might be relying on reading reports in the newspapers of a Saturday morning, you know. Um, but I think I think you just have to take it on its merit that it's voted for by the players that that play against each other week in week out, and and, and you know that's that's what they see fit, and you know, the, the votes are sent in. And when would and when would the voting up. take place, Clarky? I think it's it, it was a couple of weeks before the end of the season. I heard it was six. And the, the, the first the first division was was obviously out first because we finished earlier than than the Premier Division, um, and and then the, the Premier Division kind of went out a couple of weeks after that. You know. So you start all just getting here. So I was gonna say you don't just all get together at a certain point and decide which Rovers player you'll allow in, though. <laughs> no, no. So, so what, what, what would have happened was before, before COVID, um, Ollie and Stephen uh, and the PFA Ireland guys would come around to each individual club and and get into dressing rooms and, and kind of oversee the whole voting process. Um, obviously now with COVID, players are in their bubbles and that. So, you know, you can't have kind of outside people just, just coming in. You know, so we what we rely on now is is the delegates at each club. Uh, each club has a has a, a PFE Ireland delegate, which you know we communicate with. So they would have been sent all the voting forms, and then uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's that's how one they would have overseen overseen the voting and that. We're going to have to wrap up, Clarky, but um, we we brought you on for a couple of reasons. Could you give us just give us a plug to what yourself and Colin are going to do? I think uh, later on this month. Yeah, uh, it's it's actually in ten days' time, the eleventh. Uh, we we've actually we've been talking challenge. about this. Yeah, we've been talking about it for a couple of years now. Obviously, Conan's done a lot of charity stuff. Um, I actually would have helped him kind of behind the scenes with, with a bit of it. So I said I'd get involved in this one. Um, so we're going around all the League of Ireland grounds. Um, over the course of what I think it's two and a half days. I think it's about twelve hundred and twelve hundred kilometers in total. Um. And we're not allowed to leave the ground then till 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 we hit the crossbar. You know, we we're lucky we've been backed by my own sponsors, um, Precision, who who look after my gloves. They're sorting us out with all the kit and all the balls and and the the gear to wear and and stuff. And uh, Raid on the owner of Precision, they're looking after the hotels for us. Um, and Gokar are actually looking after a vehicle for us. So. Uh, shout out to them for for uh, for helping us out. But uh, no, look, we're, we're looking looking for everyone to to get involved. If whatever stadium we're in, you know, people can come down and and, and get involved in that and, and give us a dig out. But it, it, look, it's awful a great cause. It's for Make a Wish. Um, they've been they've been really hurt with the with the COVID situation. They have mm. been out to grant wishes to 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 the to the kids and that. So um, even kind of fundraising stuff they haven't been able to do. So. Look, anything we can do to help would be, I mean, any any donations we receive from anyone will be greatly received. Absolutely. And get, get onto um, our page on Twitter and you'll find a link to it. And I suppose before we finish up, Dan, are we concluding like two or three of the maddest days in your journalistic life? Um, well, I, I suppose so. I mean, I, again, let's not go back to the point, but it's more the, it's been more aligned with the, with the single parenting dramas, which I just think is, um, that's, that's definitely added, added a layer to it that I, I will never forget. I will definitely never forget. In the background there. He's like, but it's just, it's just an unfortunate coincidence. Like no one really cares about this, but it's managed to like coincide with like my daughter's starting to learn how to stand on her own and to climb. So, you know, you can just like sit down for five minutes to try and find out like who's left, who's going where. And you can't be that, you know, complacent anymore because you might turn around. Tim Clancy's bringing in. Uh, I, I don't think she's aware of that. No, I know, but I mean, I'll ask her in the morning and see if she knows. You know, see what the crack is. She might, she, uh, she, she, she might be on top of more things than we know. If she could, if she could uh, dictate all the discussions she's heard in the last couple of days, she'd probably <laughs> look for some, look for some, look for someone to take her away and probably call social services if possible. I think she actually took my phone and tried to press an emergency number earlier. Um, so I'm guessing that was a cry for help. Hopefully, say she didn't get the last dials. Uh, it's lads it's been brilliant having you on Clarky uh, delighted to see you back in the Premier Division next season thanks for coming on no problem Johnny um, Snady it's always a pleasure it is thank you very much yeah always and uh, yeah and Dan I guess we'll be we'll be in touch
Yeah, and like we're, we're like this Zoom stuff. I mean, I'm looking forward to being back in person for we finish because we don't have to do that. End of there was like uh, you were like a game show host thanking all the various contestants <laughs> as they all finished off. You know, Brendan, you went away with four thousand five hundred. It's just way too choreographed, Johnny. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not loving it. But we had to do something with the breaking news. But uh, we'll get back to talking in the studio next week. And I feel, and, I feel yeah. as if me. I feel as if me and Brendan should pretend to have a conversation now, like um, what you call it. Graham Gartland did where um what you call Paul Dillon and the car park. Yeah. The amount of feedback we've got. By the way, that that is the footballers' football show of the series. By the way, I think every footballer seems to like. Um, I, I so many extra like Aidan O'Keefe who played for Drawd. I hadn't spoken yeah. to him in years. Got in touch with me completely out of the blue. Um, just say he'd listen to that, and it's like. Um, it's it, that is the one that I think people have taken away. But uh, anyway, we're the, main thing I, the main thing I took away from that was that Paul Doolan definitely does not have an ego. That's the main thing that I took. Away from that. <laughs> <laughs> so the traffic on the M50 was the real issue. That, that was later on. But yeah, anyway. Doolan, Doolan, friend of the show. To be fair, Doolan probably has a new League of Ireland job since the start of this show with the way it is. I don't know what percentage of Premier Division teams have a new manager tomorrow. It's completely yeah. off the charts. He could be the one. He could be the one to make sure that Stevie gets the job in there as the uh, pro license holder. I'd say he'd like that role. I'm, I'm happy to say that, that definitely would not be an option. I don't think. I mean, that would be <laughs> that would be great fun. But the idea of uh, of Paul Dillon being anyone's assistant is uh, it's a reality TV show waiting to happen. Someone should do that. Just, just sorry, Dan. This is the last thing I'll ask you before we finish. Oh, no. In the last week. How many, what percentage of the 10 Premier Division teams going into the week lost their manager or changed their manager? So we've Watford, uh, Dundalk, Drogheda, um, obviously Pats. So that would be four out of 10. Do your 40%. sums there, Johnny. 40%, Unbelievable. yeah. Unbelievable. Having, was... t- having, ha- having 10 teams really means that you shouldn't be asking anyone else what the percentage is. Yeah, I worked that out quickly. And just, just finally, congratulations to UCD. It went under the radar a bit, but UCD back in the Premier Division, a hell of an achievement for Andy Myler. And uh, we send our sympathies to Andy as well on the loss of his dad. That was episode 38. As Dan mentioned, uh, we will be back next week with a sort of a seasonal review. God knows what's going to happen in the in the intervening week. And uh, that was in association with futureticketing.ie.